This is the Bates Bobcast, our weekly podcast where we take a look at the week that was in Bates Athletics. My name is Aaron Morris, and this week we preview the 54th annual Head of the Charles Regatta. Plus, we talk to our Bobcats of the week and learn more about field hockey's leading goal scorer, senior Taylor Loff. All that and more coming up on the Bates Bobcast. The field hockey team got the week started with an 11-0 win last Tuesday over Maine Farmington. It's the most goals the Bobcats have scored in one game this century. Then Bates defeated Southern Maine 5-0 on Thursday before falling 3-1 at Amherst on Sunday. Senior Taylor Loft tallied four goals on the week, giving her a team leading seven on the season and 27 in her career. Checking in on the Bates field hockey team with Senior Taylor Loft here on the Bobcast. And Well, first of all, Taylor, you know, there's... Three regular season uh, games remaining, two NESCAT games remaining. It seems to be coming down to Bates and Colby again for that final uh, NESCAT tournament spot. You're a senior now. This is the fourth straight year this has happened. How how bizarre is this? What are, you, what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, I mean, um, well, this is classic. But, um, I mean, I think Colby is always a really great competition. So, to me, it's kind of exciting. I mean, I wish that we had put ourselves in a position this year and other years where it didn't come down to a game for our uh, playoff position. But, you know, uh, it happens. Our record is what it is. So um, I'm looking forward to that game because I know it's always a good one. And I, yeah, I'm really excited. Well, last week we spoke with uh, first-year Riley Burns, who's having a, a, a nice debut season. She said you've helped her out a lot. What are some things you do with the, the younger attackers to get them adjusted to college field hockey? Yeah, um, well, when I was a first year, uh, I, d- I didn't really get a lot of time. Um, I definitely had some some goals and some excitement. So, um, And I think for me the hardest part was having like confidence going into games um, when I was that young. So I try and just pump them up and give them really specific feedback. And um, I think it's one thing to say good job, but it's another thing to say, hey, that was a really good shot. It was a really good spot to hit, um, really good placement. So just trying to give everyone specific feedback and um, make sure they know why they're important members of the team. Um, I had a lot of upperclassmen that were so, so um, just accommodating to my year and it was that senior class, Shannon Beaton, Christina Vega, Katie Knox, all them. And I always think um, of them now being a senior. Um, I can't believe I'm already here. But just the support that they gave us and just the constant um, love. So I try and try and bring that back. Do you see any you know, of yourself in the first years, kind of? Yeah, definitely. Um, I see a lot of myself in Ashton Bale, actually. Um, Riley is a phenomenal forward but she came in really strong and I think that I I didn't come in not strong but I definitely had a lot of work to do and Ashton is just a really strong athlete and her skills like she will develop them so with practice and with a lot of work um 
so I think that in the future, I, I can't wait to see what Ashton brings because I know that she has so much potential. Terrific, terrific. And then um, midweek games this past week, 11 nothing over Maine Farmington, 5 nothing over Southern Maine. I mean, that's a lot of goals for field hockey, right? What yeah. was that like? Yeah, um, I think it was just, you know, it's midterms, and we were trying to blow off some steam. So <laughs> I think we came in uh, motivated, ready to go. Um, and, you know, when you have an opportunity to – Score goals, we've been working on that mentality, you know, teams want to crush us, so we should want to crush other teams, and I think that we put that into action, and we had a lot of goals, but it wasn't all from the same people, which is a great thing to see, it's from um, multiple people, and um, yeah, I think it just shows how deep our bench goes, and how strong our team is together, um, so yeah, they were awesome, awesome wins, and huge, huge wins. Danny, you touched on the fact that you're, um, what I say about you is kind of, you know, the, all the work you put in. And mm -hmm. you, you mentioned that as well. You, you've had to work a lot since being a first year to get to where you are now. Maybe like in the off season when you can't practice with the team necessarily, like in the summer or something, what are you doing to make yourself better for the fall? Yeah, I, I don't really take that many off days in the summer. Um, uh, after my freshman year, I helped coach Danny's club team. And um, <clears throat> so... I kind of went back to the basics of the field hockey skills. like, And when you teach players to do certain things and play a certain way, you have to yourself play that way. So in order to hold those girls accountable um, to stay low and to have their hand away from their bodies, I myself had to work on that. And so I really took in a lot. It actually was really helpful to go back and coach because I – myself was working on these basic skills that I hadn't yet mastered. So I was able to take that um, into my off season and then eventually into my summer training. And my friends in the summer just think I'm absolutely crazy because I'm constantly working out and bettering my field hockey skills and just overall my athletic shape and abilities. Um, yeah, I take very few off days and I take very few days off without my like without my stick so most of my workouts will consist of some sort of field hockey stick work if not just playing against other um field hockey players specifically nezcacks we do a lot of summer league mm -hmm. um and i think that uh, what's important is that to know it's like you can be in a position of success on the team if you want to be if you want to put in the work and put in the crazy hours spent mastering your skills um working on just speed speed and change of direction then you can um so that's been something that i've dedicated my time to another thing is just um i think finding kind of my niche on the team and what i brought that separated me and put set me apart from not just players on my team but other players in the NESCAC. And that for me was my speed and specifically my speed on the ball. Um, and so when Danny had told me like at the end of my freshman season, we really want you to work on carrying the ball with speed because you are faster than almost everyone in the NESCAC. I really took that to heart and I did a lot of speed training and like with speed training with the ball. I remember I would, I would always be training alone just cause it's summer and um, I would throw the ball like from I would be standing at like the 50 and I would throw the ball ahead and run onto it and carry it to the baseline 
And then eventually I worked on doing that same thing and then curling and running the baseline myself. And then eventually I worked on going the baseline and setting the cross ball and just all things that, like, I've implemented into game day. I've spent so many hours working on in the summer. Um, and I think that just goes to show, like, if you want to put in the time and if you want to put in uh, the practice, then you'll see success on game day. That's great. And you're a senior, and obviously we touched on that. Uh, it sounds like coaching might be in your future. Is that something you – I don't know. <laughs> uh, I, I'm i someone that I am not saying no to any opportunity that comes my way. Um We'll see. I don't know. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Well, uh, field hockey got a home match this week, um, Thursday at 7 o'clock against Endicott, and then this podcast coming out on Tuesday, so a week from tomorrow. Of course, the big one with Colby Taylor Loft. Thanks so much. Thank you. The soccer teams win a combined 2-0 last week. On Wednesday, the men's soccer team defeated Thomas College 1-0 on Jared Reber's first career goal. Then the women's soccer team defeated Elms 1-0 on Sunday, thanks to sophomore So Kim's goal her team leading fourth of the season. The men are 8-4 and four overall and have a huge conference showdown with Bowdoin this Wednesday at 3 p.m. And Reber joined the Bobcast to talk about the team's success so far this season on and off the pitch. Well, Jared, your first career goal there at Thomas College for the 1-0 victory for the Bobcats. Take us through how it happened. Yeah, so it was actually my first touch of the game, so I got on the field at right field during a throw-in. And I was actually tying my shoe because my shoe was untied, and the ref said to keep playing, so I had to go on you know, with the shoe untied. Comes in with the throw and bounces kind of middle of the box, and I headed in uh, back right post, and it was kind of surreal in the moment. Like, I first touch of the game didn't really settle in until about 20 minutes after, so it was a really great experience. And then for you personally, obviously, did, um, when did you first start playing soccer? Have you always played on defense? Um, started playing around, I guess, the age of six, and... I played kind of all around the pitch, uh, wherever the coach kind of saw me. But then, yeah, I came in in high school and coming into Bates, I played defense, uh, center back, then moved to right back. So, gotcha. Yeah. Well, and, and what appealed to you about Bates when you were first looking for schools? Um, basically, the liberal arts education in New England is where I was looking most. And I also really wanted to play soccer in my college career, so that was also a major factor coming in. And obviously with the strong academics, it was just kind of perfect combination of two worlds that I wanted to collide. And then this year, obviously, a new head coach, Tyler Shake coming in. What's he been like? Yeah, uh, he's really great, really intense, uh, very good with communicating with the athletes and kind of letting them know the position that they're in and how they can work harder to get to the position that they want to be at. Um, so that's a very good aspect that he thought, thought he brought, and he brought a lot of intensity to preseason which I think translated into a lot of wins that have brought the team together and kind of realized the opportunities that we wanted to seize over the past four four years seven of your guys eight wins this year have been shutouts what's it about this defense has been so effective you think um very much of it has to do with the leadership of Hubsy mm. our center back senior uh that's definitely powerhouse there also our goalie is also a senior Robbie Montanaro has had a great season so far and the new guys coming in, uh, Peters, center back, also really, really great. And our two outside backs are just fearless and huge ball winners that just really can't be dealt with by anyone else, I don't think. You think he needs a little more playing time this year, right? So what's yeah. that been like? Uh, that's really great. It's a little nerve-wracking at first, <laughs> but, you know, after like five minutes on the pitch, you kind of get going. And then having the teammates support you is really huge and critical. Uh, everyone just telling you, you know, you're doing great. You don't forget about it. Like, all these things really prop you up, and that's kind of the aspect that keeps you going as teammates. 
big match this week, obviously, at Bowden. You know, the rival, you guys have had some close matches during your time here, haven't you? Yes, we have. Very close. <laughs> neck and neck every year. What's that rivalry like from a soccer perspective? Um, from a soccer perspective, honestly, it's not... It's not any different from any NESCAC team that we play. In my perspective, I think we go into every NESCAC game with that same fire that we would, you know, Bowden, Amherst, Tufts, Colby, whichever it is, it's the same kind of intensity no matter what, no matter who we're playing. So at their field, what's their field like? Is it like Russell Street or was it turf? Uh, I wouldn't say it's like Russell Street. I don't think <laughs> anything like is Russell like Russell Street. Street right. But it's, uh, it's a nice field in, like, middle of the woods. And uh, But, I mean, either way, we don't really focus too much on the – the playing of the field, we kind of just focus on our level of play and how we're coming into the game. This week in practice here, what has been the focus yesterday and now right. today? Um, a lot of it has been transition between defensive shape and attacking shape, so defensive shape getting in tight, and then when the ball is in our, uh, when we gain possession of the ball, we're opening up, especially the wingers, high and wide, and kind of getting in behind, runs in behind the back four is what we've been focusing on a lot. Great. Uh, you are all academic last year, so what's your focus uh, studying-wise here at Bates? Uh, Studying-wise, also, uh, Coach Tyler has implemented Study Hall, which is every Monday to Thursday at 7.30, the whole team gets together in the library for about an hour and a half, and that's been really crucial just in that, you know, sometimes you have readings that you don't necessarily have to do, but because you're in the library with this time, you devote it to something that you wouldn't usually do, so you get ahead, which is super, super critical in, uh, you know, getting good grades, getting, and also just having the whole team there um, working together helps everyone kind of achieve their goals in the academic field. Great. What are you studying specifically? Um, I'm studying politics and concentration in economics. Is that what you planned on studying when you come in? Uh, no, not <laughs> entirely. I think I was first econ, but as the econ majors will tell you, you kind of get weeded out mm-hmm. over time. So that's what happened to me. And uh, pretty happy with the decision, though. Well, obviously, yeah, you made good adjustments, right? Because you got all academic last fall. So yeah. what adjustments did you make kind of in the classroom? Going to class is the first thing everyone should always do. Yeah, it's a good step. (laughs) Going to class and uh, honestly just whatever they assign you, just do it because ultimately that's all you have to do to kind of do well. You don't need to dedicate that much extra time. You just complete the assignments, complete what you're supposed to do, and you'll do well ultimately. All right, Jared, thanks so much for joining us on the Bobcast. Thank you very much for having me. The volleyball team went 2-1 and one last week, defeating Maine Maritime and Connecticut College before falling at Wesleyan on Saturday. Bates takes on Bowdoin in non-conference action Tuesday before heading to the Hall of Fame tournament this weekend in western Massachusetts. We'll catch up with the Bobcats before their return to NASCAC action next week. Our female Bobcat of the Week this week is first-year cross-country runner Tara Ellard. The Bobcats finished 12th out of 52 teams at the pre-nationals meet in Wisconsin on Saturday outracing five other nationally ranked teams. Eller did not get to run in that meet. Instead, she finished 7th out of 328 runners in the women's Open 6K on the same course. You're a first year here at Bates, so tell us about what attracted you to come up here from Massachusetts for college. Well, I really wanted to go to a small school just to get that community feeling, and I was really attracted to both Bates in general, but especially the team. And I did, so I came up here throughout my senior year to do different meetings with Coach Day and... um, visit the campus and I really fell in love with both the way that she coached the team but also the people I stayed with and the teammates I met here. Terrific. When did you start running cross country? How did you get into the sport? I started running cross country my junior year of high school. I had run indoor and outdoor track all four years but I did field hockey in the uh, fall Mm -hmm. and my junior year I decided to really focus on running which is when I started cross country. When did you start to realize you might want to do this in college? 
I was about the same time I decided yeah. to do cross country when I realized that I really loved running and I wanted to focus on it year round. I know one of the emphasis that Coach Jay puts on is that cross country and then also track, right? And so what events are you looking forward to for when track season comes around? I definitely want to do the longer distances and I'm excited to try some of the even longer distances than there we had in high school. So kind of experiment with those races. And so track kind of led you to cross country, right? Where you, uh, when you first got into it, what was the biggest adjustment you had to make? It was definitely switching from my, the longest race I'd run in track was a two mile. So switching from the two mile to a 5K was pretty big difference. And so just kind of learning how to run those longer races. Obviously in it's different conditions, to say the least. I believe one of your teammates lost a shoe, her shoes or something last weekend? Yeah, my teammate Abby, Abby Hamilton, she lost both of her spikes in the mud. It was so deep. <laughs> so she had to just keep running, what, in socks? Or? Yeah, she ran the race in her socks. She finished, but it was pretty crazy. Um, how did your race go, obviously? You ran a different race. Tell us about what happened. You mentioned the mud. It was some weird conditions. Yeah, throughout the last couple of weeks, Wisconsin has been getting a lot of rain, which made the golf course that we ran on pretty waterlogged. And so because it was so muddy and so the course was so destroyed, they had us run two different races. So the top seven, they ran in like the pre-national race, and then the, our, we took ten people, so eight, nine, and ten on our team ran in like the open 6K, which was a race afterwards, and so that's what I ran in. And so how'd that race go? Um, obviously, you finished pretty high up, right? Yeah, I finished seventh. It was it was a pretty good race. It was nice that because we were running in a race with like the eighth, ninth, and tenth runners on teams, it was a pretty easy to kind of pace with people because they were all around my speed, so it was a nice a nice field of athletes along with me. What's been the biggest adjustment from high school to college, whether it be cross-country-wise or maybe even academically? Uh, the biggest adjustment is probably in cross-country would be just the mileage. We're doing a lot more training um, than I ever did in high school. Um, and academic, academically, it's definitely just time management. People told me that they find you know running to be quite relaxing. You can get out there and kind of forget about the stresses from the classroom. Do you find that also? Oh, definitely. We have our practices at 4 o'clock after we're done with all our classes, so it's nice to kind of do something different than academics and kind of get off. We usually go off campus for our long runs at Pinelands, so it's nice to be somewhere different and do something different. Yeah, Pineland Farm's uh, quite the difficult course, I imagine, to practice on. Yeah, it's pretty hilly. I come from a very flat area, so it's it was definitely a change, but it's, it's pretty. What's Coach Jay like? Oh, she's really nice. She really focuses on the team atmosphere, which I appreciate, um, and she really cares about us, which is nice. Excellent. Um, so what are you most looking forward to? Uh, the remainder of the season, obviously, a couple, a few races to go, right? Yeah, I'm really looking forward to getting to like the championship season with the races and kind of seeing what our team can do. Have you spoken to any of the upper class on what championship season is like? Yeah, no, they've been talking about it a lot. It just it, it Usually our team gets a lot smaller in those races, mm -hmm. so it's nice, like, we're all running together, and it's a small group of us, and I'm excited for that. Yeah, are you about where you expected to be in terms of, you know, within the team? Yeah, I really didn't come in with much expectation, so it was a bit surprising, but also exciting. We know uh, Katie Barker's been kind of the lead runner this year. What have you maybe learned from watching her as a, you know, be, her being a senior? Yeah, she races really well, and it's she usually does a good job of pacing, so it's been really cool to watch her like do her races and see how she runs them because I, as a freshman, don't have too much experience running the longer run the races like the 6K, so it's nice to see what she can do. Well, Tara, our female Bobcat of the Week, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. The men's cross-country team finished 14th out of 27 schools at the Connecticut College Invitational on Saturday, and both cross-country teams are gearing up for the NASCAC Championships, which take place a week from this Saturday. The football team fell 44-13 to Wesleyan on Saturday. The score stood 14-6 at halftime before the Cardinals pulled away in the third quarter. Head coach Malik Hall looks back on the game. Fifth quarter here on the Bates Bobcast with the head coach of the Bobcats, Malik Hall, recapping the Bobcats game 
from Saturday against Wesleyan. And well, first of all, Coach, uh, similar theme, I guess, kind of right, close at halftime, and then Wesleyan was able to kind of pull away there in the second half behind some really some big plays. Is that going to be a focus this week in practice about you know those big plays they pulled off? Yeah, I, at the end of the day, we we construct a game plan to stop the best player. We talk about the SWAT strength, weakness, opportunities, and threats. We want to eliminate or and or limit the threats of our opponent. If our opponents um, are good enough for us not to eliminate the threat, that means we didn't stop their best player. Therefore, their best player has a lot of big plays. And the result of big plays, unfortunately, is not a win. Um, and we need a win right now. I mean... For whatever, for whatever I can say about our team right now, if we do not show up, we can't get the result we want. Against Wesleyan, I think Wesleyan did a great job. They made their adjustments at halftime like every team in our league has. We make our adjustments. We cannot out-execute a team with our adjustments. Um, but that's the way the cookie crumbles, unfortunately, and that's how that game ended. You know, Razor Ramon had a big scoop and score. If you think about when that get, when that happened in the game, if the game was a possession or so away, that's a momentum swing. Right. But because the game was so far away, we couldn't even use that momentum. I thought Tyler Harrington had a good game. He had six tackles. He had some tackles for loss. He's forced that fumble. What do you see from him this year, his senior season, as a guy who's playing like kind of a linebacker role this year, right? Tyler is a captain. He is everything you want in your senior captain. He's a quiet leader. When he speaks, they listen, but he is a leader by example, and he's a service leader on top of. So you add all of those things into it. I mean, it's no surprise that he he shows up for us. He did have a heck of a game. Um, and as we continue to build, we've, we've – We've tried to put him in positions to carry the bulk of the weight of the game plan, and he does a great job. Um, but he's one guy, and if you're only as good as your one guy and there's only one guy, you're not that good. And in the moment of Wesleyan, we weren't that good on defense. Even though he had a standout performance, you can't win with one player and you don't lose with one player. Is Every player that's out there, that's not putting a collection of plays together to win or lack thereof. On offense, you guys seem to be trusting um, Christian Sanfilippo, a sophomore, in like short yard situations. He had his third straight game with a touchdown. What have you seen from him to make him kind of a guy you go to? You know, he has the – he. I call him an Italian stallion because he goes about his day like Rocky does. Like he's, he's small, he's compact. He can take a beat and then keep running very, very hard. He has a low center of gravity right now. He's been a short yardage touchdown guy. I mean, he has three touchdowns on the year right now. Um, and I'm proud of him and happy for him. And he, as he develops in this program and as he develops as a running back, um, it's always good. Anything that, good ha anything that happens on that football field that's good is an opportunity for me to show him, okay, this is good, but now that's your enemy. So now, right now, you're a short yardage back. We need to find a way to make you an every down back, too. Well, speaking of that, you rotate, you know, three or four guys in there in that running back spot. Jason Lopez finally got on the field this year. What's been his development, I mean, coming back from this injury? 
what we tried to, you know, one of the things I'm learning as a new head coach is to not try to put all their weight on our guys immediately when they come back. You know, I, I don't speak much about injury because we wouldn't have found Anthony Costa no. if Joe Frake never got hurt. Uh, so with that being said, you know, Italian Stallion wouldn't have three touchdowns if Lopez didn't get hurt. So you find you find some people that emerge as players that you can depend on because of injury, and you wouldn't find that out about those guys if it wasn't because of adversity. So in that space, we put Lopez in. I think early on you saw him come out of the hole and he started to look good. Um, but as the game continued to go, I think they tightened down their run defense and it, it affected our offense. You could tell by the numbers, by the lack of points, and unfortunately the lack of moving the ball. And then obviously on, on Mondays you're coming, you're watching film. What are you watching film on today? What are you looking to focus on to, uh, f to, to prepare for the first practice of the week? Um, right now we want to put our guys in a position where they know what they're doing and how to respond to the offensive play. Um, so right now is to just make sure that we don't give up any big plays because we've been a victim of big plays in the second half. Make offenses drive the field on us. Find a way to get third downs, get off the field on third down. Two of our three first three touchdowns, if not all three, all happened on third down. So if we can get them to third down, we got to get them in the fourth down. And because we're living in a third down situation on the other side of the 50, we have to be prepared to go for a fourth down. Um, so we just have to uh, tighten up our awareness of what's happening out there. We have to continue to put them in situations that they can be successful in. And ultimately, they have to execute. If we have guys there to tackle the quarterback, they got to tackle them. If they don't tackle them, it's going to be a big play. Sometimes, obviously, when you, you know when you start the season with you know a few losses like this, some teams can get down. Have you seen the attitude of your team, you know, in practices in terms of trying to you know keep bringing the juice, right? You know, the one positive about this year, um, and it's hard to say, is that I'm learning more and more about them through this this adversity. Mm -hmm. You know, you learn more about people in adversity. I'm constantly telling them that brothers are created for adversity um, and we want this to be a family and it's nothing that brings a family closer together than adversity being 0-5 right now it sucks however they're learning more about me and my resiliency and not turning against them and saying hey you guys all stink right. versus guys we gotta get better we took a step back today because we should have taken a step forward, yes, last week, mm -hmm. um, and we just didn't. And that's the disheartening part and the frustrating part for them and for us as a coaching staff, but it's more important that they understand where they went wrong, how we can fix it, and move forward. Um, as difficult it is, as it is to move forward, knowing that you've been playing better and better every week and then it just bottoms out on you, that's something that's hard to swallow um, from player and coach alike, but that's the reality that we have to live in, and we have to find a way to overachieve because right now I believe we underachieved last week. All right, Coach Hall, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks again, and again, it's a great day to be a Bobcat. 
Despite the loss, one very fun play put a smile on everyone's face. In the fourth quarter, senior captain Tyler Harrington sacked the Wesleyan quarterback, causing him to fumble the ball. Sophomore Ramon Ruiz, a nose tackle who weighs in at 261 pounds, picked up the ball and sprinted 68 yards for the touchdown. Harrington finished the game with six tackles, including three tackles for loss, Ernie Mail Bobcat of the Week honors. He and Ruiz joined the Bobcast. First, let's start with Tyler. You're the man who stripped the quarterback. Take us through that play in your perspective. Yeah, I mean, it was a pretty good play for us. I mean, we I think I just rushed upfield, and I saw that the tackle kind of overset, so I went inside, and when I got to him, I didn't, I didn't really realize that I stripped him. My helmet came off on that play, so I kind of just stood up and looked around, and I saw Ramon have the ball and was running. And I couldn't play anymore because my helmet came off, so I was just watching him run down the field. It was it's pretty cool. Yeah, well, that's an interesting perspective. Just standing yeah. there, kind of watching him go in the distance. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I couldn't. The ref was yelling at me, he's like, don't, "Don't, you can't play anymore." Nine to five. So I was just standing there watching Ramon run down the field. So it was, it was pretty cool. It's pretty funny. So take us through your perspective on the play. Well, I mean, I I just saw the ball right there, and uh, the week before in practice, same ish, same situation happened. The ball was on the ground. I didn't flinch. I just picked it up. I ran it. Even though, I mean, most guys would have pulled up. I just took it to the end zone. I just wanted to feel like, I just wanted to see what it felt like crossing that line, you know. So that's what I did there. Saw the ball, and I felt the quarterback on me, and then Shane kind of like pulled him off, I guess. So I just kept running, and I was like, you know what? Every 10 yards, switch the gear. Turn up the gear. Just don't stop. And if you, and I was thinking like, wow, if you do get caught, don't fumble the ball when you hit the ground. But I just kept running. I just kept running. Man, it was, it was a good feeling. But I mean, it would have been better if we won. But, uh, yeah, it was, it was something that's never happened to me before. So, Well, uh, yeah, on the video, it's interesting. You see, like, a mass of people, and you don't really emerge until maybe, like, a few yards later. So what was that moment of chaos kind of like? I mean, I just I just saw the quarterback, and, you know, through my peripheral, I saw, like, you know, white jersey. So I just, I just said to myself, just keep running, keep running, keep running. So that's what I did. <laughs> so you played, you mentioned off air, you played soccer as a kid. Is that where you get that breakaway speed? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I was always a heavy kid, you know, growing up, so I don't know where that speed came from. But uh, I I didn't think I had it in me, so, but, yeah. So you never t- had a touchdown at any level before? Or? Never. Okay. Never. Gotcha, gotcha. Not even in, not even at recess with, you know, just backyard football. Not even that. So it was cool, though. We saw the uh, Instagram comments. Jack Maris was saying you need to work on your celebration a little bit. Do yeah. uh, you got anything planned for next time this happens? Uh, I mean, I love to dance, you know, you know, being a – Latino like myself, I like to break out the salsa, but I don't know. I might get flagged on that. So. <laughs> right, right. Well, and Tyler, you know, you being a senior this year, kind of a new role on defense for you. Take us through what your new role is kind of this year. Yeah, I mean, being being a captain this year is obviously it's a great honor being a, a captain of this team. I mean, as a, a as a defensive leader, I mean, it's 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 fun this year being part of, like being like, a part of this group and being part of this new um, new vision we have on defense. I think it's it's really great. I mean, we're coming together. I mean. I, taking us some time but I think we're working we're, everybody's working hard and we're getting there so I mean it's been great I mean I'm having a great time with it are you more of a linebacker this year or how's it work I mean I'm doing some different things this yeah. year I mean I'm, I'm still down the line sometimes I stand up and play play up a little bit but um I mean anything I do obviously it's it's for the team really so I mean I'm just just excited to be doing different things for the first time so you talk about the kind of new era with the new head coach what's Malik like uh, working with him in practice yeah it's great I mean he brings a lot of energy which is um something new obviously I mean he's He's great. I mean, he he's very oh, he knows everything about the defense. He's great. We ask him questions. He knows most of the answers. He fills us in. He gives us, you know, everything we need really to succeed. So it's great having him around. And uh, Ramon, I understand that your nickname when you were growing up was also Razor Ramon. It's carried over to college. So what's that been like to have a you know nickname? And because Malik gives a lot of people nicknames, doesn't yeah. he? I mean, 
I'm, I'm, I'm like Coach Hall. I like giving people nicknames. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I like it. It's unique, you know. It gets me going, so. But you never saw him as a wrestler? No, never, yeah. never. <laughs> Did you have to Google it initially? or yeah, I Googled it. You know, growing up, my mom didn't even let me watch WWE. I don't know why, but, uh, yeah, I just never really saw Razor Ramon, so. Well, now you're Razor Ramon here at Bates. How did you end up deciding to come to Bates for a school? Uh, I mean, you know, the reputation it has for its academics, I mean, I, I just couldn't say no. I, I stepped on campus. I saw, you know, guys like Ty and uh, Bobby D, Chase Fulton. They all, like, you know, made me feel welcome. So I just I got that, you know, that warm sense, you know, that warm welcome. Um, so, yeah, it just it was just the place for me, you know. You play in the trenches there, right? Nose tackle, is that right? That is correct, yeah. So what's that experience like every day? Because nose tackles don't normally get the glory, yeah. but uh, so what's that kind of like, uh, you know, being the stopper in the middle? Uh, consistently, it's taking up, you know, uh, eating a double team, you know, yeah. letting the linebackers free. So, um, you know, you just got to focus on staying low, running your feet, and uh, that's pretty much it. And I guess this time, you know, the ball was in front of me to <laughs> take it to the house. So, For sure. When did you start playing football? Uh, my mom didn't let me play until I was in seventh grade. So seventh grade and then eighth grade, I had hip surgery, so I couldn't play. And I played all four years in high school. So, yeah, not not that much. So <laughs> but you played a lot of soccer also? Yeah, I played soccer from kindergarten to, like, eighth grade. I mean, just last winter, I was playing futsal with some of the soccer guys here, uh -huh. which was awesome. I, I love soccer so much that it keeps me conditioned as well. What's it like mentoring some of these younger guys like Ramon? Yeah, I mean, it's great. I mean, Ramon and some of the other younger guys on the D-line have really come along this year. I mean, it's been great. They're playing a lot. They're really competing. So, I mean, seeing these guys that grow up and, like, and really play well, it's like, you know, I was a senior. Like, I know the D-line will be in good hands, you know, when I graduate. So, it's great. For sure. And then um, also we touched on Coach Hall and, and the new kind of attitude he's bringing. What do you hope to see when you, after you graduate from this program from, as an alum, you know, in a few years here? Yeah, I mean, I, I just kind of want to see, see success and see what, like, Coach Hall is building something here. I mean, he's building something great. I mean, we're obviously the first step towards that. But, you know, as an alum, I definitely want to see, um, you know, just great success from the team. I mean, I wish the best for Coach Hall. We want success this year, obviously. Yeah. But, I mean, in the future, I wish the best for baseball ball, obviously. For sure. Now you're a sophomore. What was it like playing as a first year right away, stepping in and playing college football? Wow, the game is extremely fast. Yeah. Um, you know, you have no time to think. You just got to stick to your keys. You know, Coach Hall says, Coach Poffin says, man on your back, backside line. So, you know, that's what you just got to do, follow your keys, and just go out there and have fun, you know. Excellent, excellent. Um, and, you know, being a sophomore, what are some goals you've set in your mind for the next couple of years? Well, ultimately to win, um, you know, because in the past we haven't had – you know, much success. So, you know, I want to continue that, you know, tradition that Coach Hall has brought from UPenn and all these other schools. Um, you know, keep that great culture, you know, bringing good recruits who want to buy in, you know, have guys buy in. Um, and, yeah, I just win. That's it. I just want to win. <laughs> there you go. Well, the Bobcats travel to Middlebury this Saturday. Tyler, Ramon, thanks so much. Thank, Thank you for having us. The rowing teams compete in the head of the Charles Regatta this Sunday in Boston. Last year, the women's first varsity eight set a collegiate eights course record on their way to a first place finish. Meanwhile, the men's first varsity eight finished third, their best finish ever. So head coach Peter Steenstra, any pressure to repeat those performances? I'm sure the kids feel the pressure quite a bit, but um, it's not like we've been training through this fall with that specifically in mind. The fall training is all in preparation for the spring, and the, the Charles is just this big event that we have at the end of the fall. It's the, you know, the festival of rowing, so to speak. Um, 
So we train directly up to it with spring in mind, I guess is the best way to look at it. Right. So obviously for folks who don't know, the Heather Charles is a much different race than spring, yeah. right? So uh, when do you make that small pivot to say, hey, by the way, Cox and you need to actually steer this time around? <laughs> yeah, we've got a meeting later this week, and, and there's a great video that the, the regatta has put together so we can sit together and actually – it's like watching TV, and you, you're from the boat's perspective, and you can see how you would get through the course. So we spent a lot of time talking with the coxswains about it, but there's just no way to predict what could happen in this race, knowing that you've got boats ahead of you and boats behind you, and someone, you know, the, the winning crew could be somewhere back in the pack, and they're going to work their way through the people in front of them. And so there's a lot of stuff like that that's happening. For sure, and I mean, it's obviously Folsom, an experienced coxswain. She did it last year with the 2V, now moving up to the 1V. Uh, Grossfeld, though, this will be her first time uh, coxing the head of Charles, right? I believe so. Um, I, I'm not, I can't tell you specifically what her experience was through high school, but, mm -hmm. but yeah. Uh, yeah, as far as I know, this is going to be her first time down the course. So uh, what, would, what would you say to a first-time coxswain about what's key in this course? Well, she's lucky in that she's in, uh, you know, she's bound number number four going down the course so that's a great place to be um so she's she should be surrounded by other quick boats uh you know these aren't just varsity eights these are theoretically the top varsity eights that are in division three and even a couple club boats but they um they're going to be with good company and that's going to help to motivate them along and, and maybe they are able to gain on someone in front of them or maybe they have a good fast boat behind them that's going to help push them up the course how much water time have you been able to get this fall oh it's been beautiful yeah. it's been great yeah we haven't lost a day uh we lost one session for fog yeah. a saturday morning but that was it um even the wind has been manageable throughout so it's been good so um it's a fairly new 1v this year isn't it i mean and you graduated quite a few seniors yeah we graduated a lot of people um we only have two women in the boat that are returning uh from last year's eight mm -hmm. uh, at the charles you know two plus uh Folsom herself but yeah, we have the the couple of the juniors that are coming back uh, that missed it last year because they were juniors. Right. They were broad. Um, but we have a, a group, a solid core of sophomores that are filling out the boat otherwise. So it, it's a nice uh, three senior and five sophomore boat with a sophomore coxswain. And then on the men's side, obviously Lee returns to coxswain that boat. Uh, looks like you've got a couple other returners, it looks like, as well, Jordan and Kajima. Yeah. Um, the seniors are bow pair and stroke pair between – Gregoire, mm -hmm. uh, Kento, and Stolper, and, and uh, uh, Eric Jordan. Okay. Um, but then the middle of the boat is is two freshmen in uh, Stephen Sparks mm -hmm. and Cavallero. And then we have our uh, uh, Will Crate and Kevin Downing, who are the novices, the, the, the learn-to-row phenoms from last year, who, yeah. who made that, who were a big piece of that uh, JV8 that beat Stanford. So those guys mm -hmm. are right there in the middle of the boat and, and uh, progressing nicely. It's a great opportunity for them to get some experience in the 1V here, isn't it? Huge experience yeah. Yeah, for all of them, really. I mean, it, it's a great, it, it's a very good lineup. They, um, there's a lot of power in the middle of that boat with those young guys. Um, and I, I think that having this bow number three going down the course puts them in the best ever position that we've we've had. So that's very encouraging. They're around some very fast boats between uh, Marist, and I can't remember who else might be with them, but Virginia is up there in front, and, and uh, Drexler or someone else is close by. But it's going to be very, very good competition. And then the women have a four boat in this as well. Now, obviously, for, for you guys, typically it's focusing on the eights, but I, you will enter four boats in, in different regards to, at bits and pieces. What has it made? I mean, obviously it's fewer people, but from a rowing perspective, 
How's that change the race when it's a four versus an eight? The biggest change is that the coxswain is in the bow. Mm-hmm. So she's lying down, facing forward, and all the rowers are behind her. Mm-hmm. So that's a very different uh, feel. It's harder to see what's coming up behind you if there is something coming up behind you. Um, it's a little more difficult to uh, to to set up your turns because all the oars are behind you. Mm-hmm. So you have to have a real good spatial awareness. You know, those, those blades are are 13 feet long, and so they're sticking out to the side of the boat. You're lying down there, and you're eight inches off the water. Your eyes are eight inches off the water, and you've got to make sure you've got distance, enough distance between you and the bridge or you and any boat that you're passing to make sure that you're not going to clip your oars. So what makes Session an effective four cocks? She's spent a lot of time in the four, mm-hmm. so she's pretty comfortable with it, um, yeah. and she's gotten to know this group pretty well. She's been you know, there along the entire process through the yeah. fall making this boat. So she and Coach Haley have been have been working hard to kind of put together the best boat. And, and Sation's just uh, prepping herself to get down the course. We'll see how that goes. Terrific. And then um, for those who don't know, what, I mean, Heather Charles obviously very famous in the world of rowing. I mean, it's, it's the largest regatta around pretty much, isn't it? Yeah, I, I mean, it's the largest two-day regatta yeah. in the world, I think is how they right. how they say it. But, you know, if the weather's good, you could have many hundreds <laughs> hundreds of thousands of people yeah. um, i know that last year was one of the best ever mm-hmm. and i believe they they topped 400,000 estimated as far as the two days four to you know close to 450,000 yeah. people were there it was beautiful and this year is not looking to be quite quite yeah. as nice <laughs> it's going to be uh, much colder and we're strong headwind mm-hmm. whereas last year was warm warm water and uh, a very nice tailwind right last year records were falling all over the place weren't they yeah, I don't remember the total number, but it was maybe 15 or 16 records dropped. Mm. And our women destroyed yeah. that record by a huge margin. Um, so we don't foresee that happening again this year. But being bound number one, they should they should uh, have a good run down the course. All right. I guess, yeah, they got to go first because they, they won last year. They won it last year. Yeah. So, yeah. You know, that, and that's great for our, our women, and that's great for Folsom, who gets to kind of mm-hmm. just – put that whole course on a rope, find the straightest line possible, and, and get, get the crew down there. It's uh, oddly difficult in that it requires the eight rowers to really just find something internally to push them down the course, because for all they know, whoever the, the second bow number is, that might be a bad boat for them this year. Right. You know, maybe they have they graduated a huge class and all their juniors are abroad, so it could be you know, a less than stellar boat for whoever that school might be. In which case, if if we start to feel we get overconfident when we see that that bound number two it just falls off behind us, then it, it could be you know anyone else in the middle of the course that ends up you know getting the best time. So they have to be able to really you know remain resolute throughout the entire piece and and really push themselves hard. Next time on the Bates Bobcast, we'll recap Sunday's head of the Charles and we will look back on the big week for the men's soccer team. They are looking to position themselves in the top half of the NASCAC with conference matches at Bowdoin and Middlebury. Plus, the football, women's soccer, and field hockey teams are at Middlebury this Saturday as well. We will recap it all next time on the Bates Bobcast. Bates.